It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. An OT thriller at the Target Center as the Wolves try for their fourth straight win. I got the expert, Tyler Metcalf. He's going to help us break it all down. It's all coming up next on the Locked On Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Tyler Metcalf. He's on Twitter, at TMetcalf11. And Tyler, before we jump into all the action, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to us by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. That's 150 bucks. If your $5 bet wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. All right, man. You just never know what you're going to get with this team uh, on any given night, any given game. But tonight we got an absolute, it was a slugfest inside the Target Center tonight. Wolves come into this one. They're looking for their fourth straight. But the Sacramento Kings, they had something to say about that. They pulled out all the stops, man. They played some, they played some chippy, physical scrappy ball especially tonight got to give them credit on that front doesn't help when your superstar Anthony Edwards he leaves at halftime for some personal reasons I think he found out his girlfriend was going into labor correct me if I'm wrong on that but said basically hey we'll see you on Sunday uh, Wolves dig themselves out of a big hole early though Kings were up as much as 14 they battled back they took the lead we end up going into overtime and from there it just really felt like all right, who's got more gas left in the tank at this point? In the end, Malik Monk couldn't be stopped. Back-to-back killer three-pointers in that overtime period. Nas Reed, chance to tie it in the corner at the end. Doesn't come through. Wolves lose a battle, man. 124-120. Kick us off. lot to dissect and discuss, I know. But just start with the biggest takeaways and maybe observations you had from this one. I mean, that was a fun game at the least, you know, at, at least we, we, we got a fun game out of it. Uh, Jaden McDaniels was magnificent and it kind of mm-hmm. sucks that his arguably his best game of the season just kind of got wasted there. Um, but I mean, the, the story of this game was it's just Malik Monk and he 35 points after halftime. He was just on one tonight. Um, but this was a game that the Wolves could have won a dozen different ways when both cat and Nas go one of six from three and you lose by four. That's brutal. When you get outscored in the fast break points, 19 to zero, that's brutal. When you have a severe size advantage and you're playing three centers for the bulk or, you know, at least, you know, most of the fourth quarter and you still get out rebounded on the offensive glass, 14 to eight and give Sacramento an offensive rebounding rate of almost 31%. Mm. That's inexcusable. So they got bullied tonight by the smaller team um i know rudy still put up big rebounding numbers but sabonis uh was kind of just pushing guys around with ease uh, a lot of long rebounds that guards weren't coming back in to collect um and that resulted in at least i it was like 20 second chance points like towards the end of the game that may have been up a couple um by the by, by the time the final whistle sounded but it was those hustle plays, really. The second chance, uh, fast break, 
and offensive rebounds that really decided this game and accounted for the bulk of Sacramento's points. Yeah, let me just stem off the comment section here in the stream. A lot of people picking on Cat, understandable. And then you mentioned a lot of a lot of poor free throw shooting. They won the free throw attempt battle. I do want to get into some games within the game. But of those two, which one were you more disappointed with? I know you already mentioned a few other things you were disappointed that you thought swayed the outcome of this one. But uh, Cat's performance, especially late, or just not knocking down those freebies at the end as well. Yeah, and it... It would have been nice, and it's rare that Mike Conley, who's like a 91% right. free shooter, misses. But, I mean, at the same time, Sacramento shot 54% from the line, and they missed nine free throws in their own right. So mm-hmm. it wasn't exactly a sterling performance from either side from the line, but um, I, I, I struggle to pin the game on just those last couple free throws. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair enough. Uh, talk to me a little bit more about the the overtime at the end. Everyone's exhausted. Nothing came easy tonight. You got no ant. If you're Finch, you know Cat and Rudy both have five fouls. 15 seconds left. Nod drives down the lane, kicks it out to Nas Reed. Had a clean look in the corner. Couldn't cash in. Just walk us through the ending specifically, what you liked, maybe what you didn't. And then just the overtime period, I guess, as a whole and just how it swayed the outcome of this one. Yeah, and I I loved that that play to set up the, yeah. the Nas three Clean because looks. um you know if Cat's kick back to Nikhil is a little more accurate maybe he has a look there but I mean, he has a free lane to crash down collapses the defense and he makes the right read there I know college basketball fans and specifically college basketball announcers were rolling in their graves with you know him not taking the quick two there but <laughs> a wide open corner three with Nas Reed who's you know a near forty percent three point shooter you're gonna take that look. Every time when you're under 10 seconds left in the game, down three points, it's the right read. Shot was good, just came up a couple inches short. So I, I think the process and how they got to that shot to potentially send it to a double overtime uh, was was really perfect. I, I thought everyone executed their role to perfection. Shot just didn't fall. And unfortunately, that, that happens some nights. A tough physical game man give the kings credit uh, they played again tough scrappy ball all night even the crowd looked exhausted at the end of this one um how does the game plan change though when you're coach finch you hear your number one player the guy who's put the team on his back the last month month and a half he's dipping out for the night and you knew already before that even transpired this game was going to come down to the wire this game was coming down to the end like what did you notice the most about maybe the wolves ability to adjust to adapt without anthony edwards and i guess as far as like the x's and o's what stuck out to you maybe the most as far as just how they were able to find some new ways to score points and play good basketball that maybe we haven't seen before yeah, and it's always tough whenever you lose someone of Ant's caliber, um, but it really changes how they run their offense because he's one of the few guys who can just consistently, out of any look, just go get his own shot, whether it's being physical, getting to the rim, stepping back in the mid-range, you know, knocking down open threes, whatever it is, he doesn't need a structured offense to get his shot. And once he goes out, they just become easier to defend just because of that. They need a little more structure. Guys can, you know, attack closeouts and rim run and that kind of stuff, but no one can really go isolation consistently and get their own shots. That's where we kind of saw a guy like Keon Ellis make a huge impact with how active his hands were on defense. I mean, he ended up with four steals and a block, and a lot of those were those kind of late digs on guys driving and, you know, late shot contests um, because they're just not used to having to create on ball like that. So, uh, 
it, it just kind of puts people in elevated positions that they haven't been in all year. Uh, but these are good reps for a lot of the guys on the team. Um, it led them to running out a lot of lineups. So we haven't seen a ton of this year, but more so in sprinklings, we saw a bunch of two point guard lineups that really didn't work tonight. Uh, I know Finch likes those sometimes, um, but I think that those lineups are kind of a direct cause of Malik Monk getting into a rhythm real quickly in the third quarter there. And then we saw him pivot uh, in the fourth quarter to a three big lineup with uh, Mike, Jaden, and then Nas, Cad, and Rudy um, all out there at the same time. So I, I think that was just kind of an interesting look. And I thought those guys really held their own for the most part. And it allowed them to more consistently throw Jaden on Malik Monk, you know, disrupt his stuff a little bit. And then they were just hunting mismatches with screen over screen over screen to get Malik on whoever they wanted him attacking. Um, how confident would you be in saying the Wolves win this one if Anthony Edwards does play that second half? Because, you know, like you already touched on the offense, but like Random Planet points out here, the defense, though, as well. He's yeah. always been so good this year in those big, critical clutch moments. I think it's even nationally wise. National media goes even a little underrated. Everybody just thinks Anthony Edwards. OK, he's a freak shooting the ball. But the defense, though, too, and maybe Monk, even though Jaden played a role there, especially going into overtime that last position um he did his job but you just got another great defender on the court as well could you say confidently and i know we'll never know but the wolves pulled this one out with anthony uh anthony edwards playing the end yeah and since i can't be held accountable i guarantee uh, right that one <laughs> um, no but sure. i i think that's a really good point because uh like we saw in that grizzlies game when it where jaron jackson was you know torching everyone on the court mm -hmm. and it's like let me let me try it let me try and defend them and it's he a great really point. disrupted his flow and his rhythm. And we've seen him do that against Dallas and Boston. So being able to throw not only Anthony Edwards is just size, but his physicality his strength on someone as kind of slender as Malik Monk, who's a dynamic scorer in his own right. I think that would have really disrupted things because they tried Mike Conley. They tried McLaughlin. They tried Monte Morris. They tried Nikhil. None of it worked. And Ant is the exact guy that you throw on Malik Monk in those situations where he can then kind of body him up, really leverage his strength while still funneling him to the length around the rim where Rudy and uh, Jaden can then act as more um, kind of weak side rim protectors and then still be really effective on the defensive glass. And we saw that tonight from Jaden too, where when he wasn't always defending on ball and he racked up seven rebounds tonight, which is huge for him. <laughs> Unheard of, unheard of monster <laughs> night, maybe career night, actually, for that fact. Let's let's keep talking about him. Um, great game on Wednesday, by the way. So now it follows it up with 26.7 boards, new career high. Could this finally be the the Jaden McDaniels we've been kind of hoping for all year on the offensive side of the ball? And and how much does that help when he's scoring points like this on a more consistent basis now? Yeah, and it, it's just huge. So and hopefully this is him just kind of finding his shooting rhythm. But we also saw him attacking closeouts a little more effectively and cutting and finding those open pockets a little more effectively. I love that they ran that first play right off the tip off to get him an easy layup, get him an easy two points, get him in a little bit of a rhythm early on. Um, they usually do that for Rudy. I thought there was a really kind of good adjustment to do that for Jaden tonight, who has been struggling over the last month or so. Um it's just tough because I mean, he's what the fourth, fifth option in that starting lineup when it comes to scoring. And so much of his job is stand in the corner and be an outlet. Mm -hmm. So he's, 
I, I think we often forget with how good this team is and how good he's been early in his career. And how, same with Ant, but Jaden's still super young. He's still on his rookie contract this year. His extension kicks in next year. Um, so still finding those ways to consistently make an impact, find your own shot, create your own opportunities um, is really difficult, especially when you're fifth on the totem pole. Um, but hopefully tonight, uh, building off of that Memphis game too is just kind of another step in the right direction of, okay, when I do get these opportunities, these are the spots that I can exploit and I can't really waste any of them. Yeah. Nice to know it's in the bag when you need them. Like you mentioned though, and some people have commented as well that uh, he's just on most nights, more nights than not more games than not. He's just not going to have that many opportunities with that kind of volume as he saw tonight, but nice to know again, that he can do it. Uh, uh, no ant again, who left in the second half, no slow-mo tonight. Think he's battling that hamstring. Conley got kind of banged up for a few minutes there. This was just a knockout drago fight till the very end, man. Uh, here's just some more box score scouting here, which again, I know doesn't always tell the whole story, but Rudy, 10 straight double double, 16.16 boards. Towns with 19. Nas Reed, he's been awesome, man. He scores 19 Wednesday, 18 tonight. Just couldn't cash in that uh, game tying shot at the end. Conley with 14. Ant with just 11 before he left. Nah with seven. J Mac with three. I mean, you got six guys with double figures here tonight. Helps when you go into OT. I get it. But just kind of take that any direction you want here before we move on to the uh, next segment. Uh, you know, any guy who maybe deserves a little bit more love or attention could be for good or bad, actually. Yeah, and it just shows the 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 talent level on this team. They did not the level that they played to tonight did not even warrant them going to OT, but it's just a real testament to how good and how talented and how versatile this team is. Yeah. That even when their offense is struggling like it was tonight, even when they're not rebounding or making those effort plays, they still have the talent to push a playoff team to overtime. And yes, I know they were down deer and Fox and Sabonis fouled out and it took him a leak monk, you know, all timer performance from him, mm -hmm. but still, you know, they're without Anthony Edwards, slow-mo, they can't make a three to save their life outside of Jaden. So I, I think it's a real testament to even when things aren't going right, that they, they still have a lot of different kind of avenues to explore and find those opportunities to, you know, grind out a win. Plenty more deep dive, including our Monte Morris watch and the Wolves' impact off the bench. That's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to us by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, check this out. You're getting $150 in bonus bets when you win any $5 bet. $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any bet and win. Right now, I just looked it up earlier this afternoon. T-Wolves are 8-1 to one to win the championship, and the early line Sunday versus the Clippers, Wolves by 1.5. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app, so easy to use. And they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, over-unders, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. 
was kind of a weird game tonight for a couple different reasons. Just just some things you don't see a lot. Uh, again, six players in double figures for the uh, Wolves tonight. That's great. Nothing came easy though. All game, all five quarters, and 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 you know all the miscellaneous stats too. They all went Sacramento's way. Uh, you mentioned a couple of them. The fast break points. What was it? Nineteen to zero. Kings had the edge in points off turnovers. Kings had the edge in points in the paint. Second chance points. Free throws did go to Minnesota as far as attempts, 32 to 20, I believe, pretty close to that if I'm wrong. But what facet of the game, you know, when you when you hear all those kind of miscellaneous stats, do you think swayed the outcome the most when you think about those team stats? What do you think? And it, it's got to be the second chance points. Um, I, I would think, yeah. Just when you give it an offense that's as dynamic and prolific as Sacramento's can be when you give them second opportunities, when you have multiple seven footers on the floor for most of the game, it's just inexcusable. You, you, you can't do it. They're too good. Of, they have too many good shooters. They have too many good interior finishers to consistently give them opportunities to exploit your defense. And it just, it, it's tough to defend possession after possession after possession when you get a good contestant and your teammates don't secure the rebound. So I, I think that one's a real, just kind of drainer of momentum of enthusiasm of effort. Um, and it's also a testament to just kind of getting outworked and out bullied um, in the post, which is a real bummer because they secure, you know, if they don't give up 14 offensive rebounds, I think they win this game pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Even if everything else goes the way it did, they didn't turn the ball over a ton tonight, but when they did, it was typically a live ball turnover that immediately led to points in transition. They're, they're, they've turned the ball over a ton this year. It's really just that that, that offensive rebounding category. If they yeah. rebound it the way they have been for most of the year, this game is probably, a, you know, they're yeah. winning it in, in regulation. Yeah, for sure. Uncharacteristic, for sure. And, and even with the loss tonight, I mean, bottom line, we always come on here, we dissect each and every game one by one in a vacuum, but... Your Minnesota Timberwolves, they're still, what, 24 games now, I guess, over 500, which is still, even after all the success, kind of hard to comprehend as a Minnesota sports fan. Talk to me about this team this year in the big picture, I guess. Are they truly one of the best teams in the NBA? Do they have what it takes, in your eyes, to hoist a championship trophy when this is all said and done? Um. Yeah, yeah, of course. And we're, we got 20-ish games left, and yeah. they're the one seed. Yeah, I, I 100% believe in them being real contenders. I know there are going to be questions about the offense until the season's over and going into next year, regardless of what happens. Um, but this is the best defense in the league by a wide margin. Um, it was coming into tonight. It was nearly three-point differential, uh, which is one of the largest um, differences between first and second in I, I don't have the exact years, but it's like the last like seven or eight years. So they're not just the best defense in the, the league. They are by a wide margin and they have been all season. And that's the kind of thing that travels, um, especially in the playoffs, when things get gross and slow down and transition becomes less frequent and more and more possessions skew towards the half court offense. Having that dominant of a uh, half court defense really pays dividends. So yeah, it'd be nice if there were, if their offensive rating somehow automatically jumped into the top 10, it's not going to happen. It's going to be a clunky offense all year, but when you have a dynamic shot creator and shot maker uh, like Anthony Edwards, like they didn't have tonight, 
he can really cover up a lot of warts. I know he's young, but having that solidified identity of being mm-hmm. the best defense, especially in the half court, mm-hmm. um, is just a huge advantage. Uh, my new favorite bit, the Monte Morris watch. Still a small sample size, I know. Haven't really got your two cents on him quite yet. How's he fitting into the equation from what you've seen? I think he's an interesting fit. I like him more as a backup. I know Finch kind of keeps running him out there with uh, Conley a lot. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see as we get a bigger sample um, how real or how effective those lineups actually are. Tonight it didn't work, but whatever. It's a, it's a one-night sample. Uh, his shot is kind of slowly coming back to him. Uh, having another outlet in the corner is really nice, and he just doesn't make mistakes. Uh, I, I don't believe he's turned the ball over once since he's been here moves the ball, smart passer. We saw him be a little pesky and uh, disrupt stuff on defense tonight, forcing at least one turnover. I think it was on that Keegan Murray post-up. So I I think he's slowly starting to find his groove, starting to get back into playing shape because he did miss 90% of the season because of injury. So I I think he's going to be a good fit Uh, a month from now. I think, you know, three, four weeks from today, it's going to look a lot different than it did tonight in the, the previous couple games. Yeah, well said. Here's a fun stat. Wolves have held the lead in games for 76.5% of the time this season. So that's the equivalent of, you know, over three full quarters per game, every game, the entire year. That's good for third highest in the NBA. I guess when you hear a stat like that, what does it tell you about that team? And, And what does it tell you about how they're winning games as well? Yeah, it just kind of tells me that they're controlling mm-hmm. stuff and they're, you know, they're not having to battle back all the time and they're not giving up these massive leads. Um, and Big even swings when they, throughout yes. the game as much. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So like even when the, they are down, it's rarely not by a ton. They're rarely getting blown out. And if they are, it's kind of slow, slow starts like we saw these last two games and then they build their way back into it. It's kind of just a sign of maturity in a team that, knows who they are and isn't panicking when they get down. I know we have some games where they turn into hero ball, uh, like that Milwaukee game, which got gross real quick. But for the most part this season, there hasn't really been that panic when they've gotten hit in the face. They've just kind of taken it and then started throwing body blows of their own to build back uh, or to chip away at that deficit and then eventually expand their own lead. Uh, so I'm just thinking about the last three, four games now here. We saw one game without Rudy. That was a few days ago. Then we got one game without Cat the next game. Tonight, it's no ant for the second half and overtime. What's the biggest thing that's kind of stuck out to you in any of those games? And maybe something that you learned about the team when they're missing, you know, a big key vital piece to the puzzle. Because, you know, I asked Jack this and, and I've asked Sam as well. I guess I'm just curious because I want to know, God forbid, knock on wood, if somebody big did go down here before the playoffs, how much of a chance do the Wolves still have? Yeah, and when we talk about title hopes, it probably Obviously minimal, diminishes it quite a but, bit, of course, yeah. But like you said, I there's always someone there to step up. Like Ant, Ant was gone for the final half of tonight's game. Jaden stepped up and had the best game of his career. When Cat's out or goes down, not – same with Gobert. Mm-hmm. Nasrid is right there to kind of fill fill in their shoes and provide a little different flavor of uh, scoring and passing and just even defense uh, with how much he's improved on the perimeter this year. So e- even you look at a guy like Kyle Anderson and then Nikhil Alexander-Walker, there's just talent throughout this rotation. And Finch typically only plays eight, nine guys um, 
so it'll be fascinating what happens with that, you know, kind of quote unquote backup point guard role come playoff time, whether Monte takes that away from McLaughlin, because we know Finch loves McLaughlin and the fact that he's shooting 40 plus percent, I know it's on low volume, but the fact that he's up there this year is absolutely huge for him. So every time someone kind of goes down or gets in foul trouble or, you know, rolls their ankle that they have to go get taped up. There's mm-hmm. always someone coming off the bench and stepping up and not afraid of the moment. Um, so they're not only just playing their role, they're elevating their play and their effectiveness to a level that is good enough to be at least a facsimile for a short period for whoever they're replacing. Give me just a quick 60 seconds on this Kings team because they've played the Wolves as tough as anyone this year. Extremely physical, uh, annoyingly active hands down in the paint to get those deflections, those strips. Sabonis is a monster. Uh, Monk was on fire in that second half. What's their ceiling? What's their biggest weakness or thing maybe holding them back? And then how worried would you be, I guess, if you had to play them in a, in a seven-game series? Yeah, and they're, they're- – proving to be one of the bigger annoyances for the Wolves this season. Uh, Yeah, and I I think that's really just a perfect way to describe them because their offense is really dynamic, free-flowing, a lot of uh, pick-and-roll, dribble handoff stuff that all kind of comes through Sabonis because he's so skilled, such a good passer, incredibly physical on the boards. Um, They don't really have a ton of rim protection but they rebound everything. They're really good team rebounding. um, And then that kind of facilitates their ability to get out and run, push the pace and let their kind of gunners like De'Aaron Fox when he's healthy. His shooting has taken a huge jump this year. Uh, Keon Ellis can get hot. Malik Monk, obviously huge for their second unit, Kevin Herter. So they have a bunch of guys who can get hot in a hurry. um, And they just, they, they do a really, really good job of uh, rebounding on the defensive end to kind of compensate for their lack of defensive prowess. Yeah, well said. All right, we got time for one quick segment left. We'll talk about the Clippers game coming up on Sunday. That's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash NBA and start a new journey to becoming your best self because sometimes in life we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest big or small certain things can really start to eat away at you and get under your skin like maybe the wolves losing at home in overtime who knows maybe that's it it's so important to be able to let that out especially to someone who's unbiased in your life now therapy can be different for everyone most of us have bigger problems than just our favorite sports teams and it's important to get these things off your chest every once in a while if you're thinking about starting therapy you got to give better help a try it's entirely online and it's designed to be flexible and suited for your schedule. Go visit betterhelp.com slash lockdown NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash lockdown NBA. Okay, when you hear Clippers, Blazers back to back, on a back to back, then on the road with Pacers, Cavs, Lakers, Clippers, Jazz twice, then the Nuggets back at home. For me, I hear that. I think it's an absolute gauntlet. I asked Jack this. I want your two cents, though. What's the the top one or two things that kind of come to mind for you as far as it pertains to this Wolves team and the schedule that's on deck? Yeah, man, that that is a brutal, brutal man. I, thought, I thought the oh brutal part of the of the schedule is over <laughs> now it's supposed to you know it, it got soft and easy again not, not i guess not i guess that's just, not the case just a weird kind of schedule too and you know i yeah. i guess you could call it a, a benefit or a uh 
a downside to being mm-hmm. in, in the middle of the country where you just have these long spells of being at home and then on the road. Um, so it's really fascinating that, again, having to go to Indiana, then Cleveland, then all the way back out West for four games. Um, I I think these Clippers games are going to be fascinating because Clippers are struggling a little bit recently. I think three and they're, they're three and five in their last eight, but they're playing Mm. Washington tonight. So that'll probably get them back on to their winning ways. Um, but they the Wolves have matched up well with the Clippers this year. So it'll be fascinating to see how, what adjustments, if any, Los Angeles makes and just kind of if they come into this and into Sunday's matchup um, kind of hoping and determined to not give up the the season series because Clippers are probably going to be right in the battle um, for that one seed. Well, yeah, let me ask you that. How, how, excuse me, how's the West looking right now? Like, like whose stock is shooting up? Who's been slipping down a little bit? And, and most importantly for the Wolves, still a clear cut four man race at the top. Is that right? Yeah. And Minnesota, OKC, Denver, Clippers, one through four right there. Nothing's Um, changed on that front. Yeah. No. And, you know, Clippers have fallen back. They're three and a half games back right now just because of that. The last eight games, they've lost five of them. Um, But OKC and Denver just kind of keep rolling along. And I Denver's still the team to go through in the West. They're the reigning champs. They're playing like it. Jokic is playing like an MVP yet again for the umpteenth year in a row. He's an absolute monster. They're a well-oiled machine. Um, But OKC and Minnesota just kind of keep plugging along. And those three and four teams, I'll, I'll keep the Clippers in there because they have the talent just kind of continue to separate themselves from the rest of the pack where you look at five through 10 and they're separated by three games. So it, it's going to be real gross. Uh, those guys trying to fight out of the play in um, and it'll be really interesting doubt, you know, that final week or so to see if there's any shenanigans with uh, kind of trying to, uh, play for a specific seed. Yeah, no, well said. Good breakdown there. Uh, I got to ask you this too, before we get out of here, you know, I'm a diehard NFL draft nerd, right? It's combine week. So I'm watching all these drills and workouts all day, all weekend. Now it got me thinking I've never really sat down and watched an NBA combine. I got no idea what it looks like. What's the same. What's different. Walk me through the biggest differences between what we see in an NFL combine versus the NBA's. Um, I the, the the whole premise is kind of similar. Uh, okay. the 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 scrimmages in the NBA Combine, um, you know, they obviously don't do that in the NFL. They they throw and catch and you know have their drills and whatnot. But the NBA, the kind of fringe guys, go full five on five scrimmages. Uh, but they they have lane agility, three quarter court sprints, uh, bench presses. I think is only like one fifty five or one forty five compared to I believe NFL is two twenty five. So bit of a difference there but makes sense um but yeah the measurements vertical sprint speed lane agility all that kind of stuff it's it's all the same premise you got two or three studs in this year's class that i can write down when i'm doing my march madness brackets here that i should remember oh boy um i think i looked at a mock like a month or two ago (laughs) Uh, a lot of europe a lot of european guys at the top, lot, lot, lot of foreign guys. It's yeah. kind of a down year overall. Uh, Kentucky's got a couple really fun freshmen and Reed Shepard, Rob Dillingham, uh, Dalton Connect from Tennessee, upperclassman, takes on a lot of the scoring load by himself. Uh, UConn, absolute wagon again this year. Donovan okay. Klingon, Stephen Castle, uh, two of the 
those, those are their, their top two draft prospects. Uh, Wolves winning streak snapped tonight, 124-120 to the Kings in overtime. Clippers in town this Sunday. That'll be a good one. Tip off for that one, 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Well done tonight, my man. As always, huge shout out to everyone that joined us on the stream. You guys are awesome. Knowledge, passion, energy. You guys got it all. Rest assured, we're going to be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. Quick reminder, go check out all of Tyler's work on Twitter, at TMetcalf11. Anything we should be on the lookout for, haven't talked to you in a week or so, anything you've been working on we can check out as of late? Uh, just draft stuff five days a week over at NoCeilingsNBA.com, and just Canis Hoopas team continues to put out incredible work yeah, every day they're, um, they're, over at canisupas.com. Yeah, they're absolutely killing it. Make sure you go check that out. And quick reminder, make sure you check out the entire crew on the Minnesota Basketball Party. That's each and every Wednesday. You got our guy Sam Ekstrom hosting, Gophers legend Ron Johnson, Kara Levins, Reggie Wilson, our guy Jack Borman, plus Ben Beacon, always ripping it up over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast each and every day as well. That'll do it for us tonight. He's Tyler Metcalf. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time. Signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 